Thank you for listening to this podcast version of To a Certain Degree. I am Nick. I've got some great guests on this episode, and I'm going to share them freely with you. They are all the guests from November 2019. I went through and I tried to pick some of the best stuff I could. And of course, that's very difficult when all the stuff is really good. So go to the website, listen to all the additional interviews. It's almost like the director's cut of all the interviews, an hour and a half with each one of these amazing people, Allison, Bethany, Robin, and Kat. And as a special bonus, Kat, let me put a song of hers at the very end of this podcast, so please stick around for that. It is funny, it is insightful, it is compelling, just like you. You are funny, insightful, and compelling because you're listening to this. Not because you're listening to this. You just happen to be listening to this. If you're looking for other things to listen to and maybe inspire you a bit, I would encourage you to check out uh, Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick. I almost forgot the name of the show. Uh, It's a five day a week podcast. We come out every weekday. Short episodes though, under 10 minutes, usually under five minutes. You can listen to it on your way to work, around work, near work, all over the place really you don't have to be near work to listen to it your daily dose with bob and nick is wherever you get podcasts uh i won't keep any of you any more away from these people that's not good english i won't continue talking so you can now listen to the amazing people that i had on in november 2019 this aired on wprk on august 10th 2020 thank you hello you are listening to a certain degree. I'm your host, Nick Jurgudio, and a happy end of summer to you. I realize we're in Florida where the sun never sets on summer, but school starts today. There's that feeling of new beginnings and an end to sleeping until noon. Thank you for getting up before 12 and tuning your dial to 91.5 FM. WPRK is an amazing assortment of content, music, and people both on and off the air, and we're lucky to have them. Under normal circumstances, to a certain degree would be live in the studio from 7 to 9 a.m. for an in-depth interview with someone from around Orlando doing something neat. Since we can't be live in the studio, I've put together some insights and inspirations from past guests. For this episode, I went back to November 2019. The stars aligned and some incredible people agreed to wake up early and come to WPRK for interviews. Who were those people, you ask? Did you ask that? They were, uh, and they still are, Robin Hoffman, Bethany Renee Williams, Allison Steedle, and Kat Ridgway. Let's start with Kat, an incredibly talented singer-songwriter. What I found with listening to her music, whether it's live or through headphones, it feels like she's singing right to me. She's good at connecting and conversation as well. We discuss surprising ourselves with old material, her college experience, and how great her first appearance on To a Certain Degree was. That was fun. For Kat. Yeah, it was. It's a, it's, I went back and listened to it in preparation for the show and was like, this is, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And also, she's really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was that. Like, I, unfortunately, it was me first. Yeah. But because I was so surprised, like, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, as a successful musician, you're good at talking you're good at writing you're good at music i try yeah and you're, you're often humble but when i hear myself and i'm like you know and it has to be like a year later that i listen to right. it and realize that oh that's still me mm-hmm. you know i guess do you ever have that with some of your older songs or things like you actually go back and listen to it and go oh wait that actually yeah that does sound like a song yeah it's so funny because um Actually, just like last week, one of my good friends in town, who's also a singer-songwriter, um, posted, he was like, man, do you guys ever just go back and find stuff that you've recorded demos of like six months ago? And you're like, oh, shoot, this is actually like something I should in- explore and investigate. And like four other singer-songwriters that are friends of mine in town commented, they're like, all the time, yes this is so me and I was like yeah like I think that's just kind of like a universal thing being able to kind of um separate yourself from yourself right um but yeah it's so interesting to me because when I was in high school that was probably even though I love indie rock now that high school was probably my 
heyday of only listening to indie rock where like that was a steady influx of influence that I was just consuming like every day. And so when I listened back to demos and song ideas that I had from that era of my life, it's a lot more indie sounding, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of cool because it's part of me is like, that doesn't even sound like me anymore. But then I'm like, but that's still me. Like, that's the artist I was at that point in time. I'd really love to be able to dig some of those songs back up and, and kind of see what they can be now that I have a little bit more musical education, I feel like, just because, I mean, I listen to jazz now. <laughs> like, oh. I am sophisticated. Uh, some some jazz. It's more like Leon Bridges jazz, but it's fine. Mm, it's, okay. It's still like, I mean, I, I have listened to actual jazz as well, but not yeah. that that's not actual jazz. But, yeah, like, I... I've listened to a lot more music where I feel like I could bring really interesting elements to the stuff that I've written a long time ago in the past. Yeah. But still looking back at it and go, maybe a turn of phrase again kind of strikes you or, yeah, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you realize that, Oh, I wrote that. And now it might even have a different meaning to you, Yeah, but still like, you know, that kind of connection that you have to your own work, other people might have to your work as well. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Actually, this just happened to me this past week. Um, So when I was, gosh, I think I was in high school, um, I was actually given a script for the movie Bernie. You were just in high school this week? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Are you hanging out at high school? (laughs) Yeah. Kat, they've talked to you about this. I know. I'm not supposed to be there. uh, But (laughs) so, um, no. Okay. So just this past week, I had an experience where I, I was playing an older song of mine and I was like, oh, wow, I wrote that. That's actually like objectively speaking from who I am now, that's mm. good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I never feel that way, really. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you're your own worst critic most yeah. of the time, especially when it comes to creative stuff. Yeah, but it's like this, okay, so I, I was given the script to the movie Bernie um, that had Jack Black in it. Did, mm-hmm. Have you heard about this movie? Yeah. Okay, so like, yeah, this guy, uh, spoiler alert, but it's kind, it, not really. This guy kills this old lady that annoys him true story by the way that it's based off of um and he kind of goes through the rest of the movie almost like weekend at burning it trying to make it seem like she's not dead Mm -hmm. um and anyway like he ends up on death row at some point so i was told to write a song for a scene and i was like okay um me being my emo little self when i was in high school i chose the death row scene and um ended up writing this they wanted country songs so i wrote this country song called on a windy day and um i don't know it's like somebody asked me to 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 play that song i think honestly i think it was my dad because i just hadn't played it in forever and the first lines of that song are i hope the good lord takes me on a windy day i'll need some help to heaven if i'm headed there anyway and i was like i wrote that when i was like 14 and i was like that's deep and I was like, that's, that's cool. Um, like I stand by that lyric. I'm proud of that lyric now. I mean, I was, I'm sure I was proud of it then too, but it was like just stepping away from like, I'm 24 now. So it's like, that was yeah, like, so 10 years 10 later. Year, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Whoa, like where did that come from? You know? Um, so yes, it is. That's always such a weird experience, <laughs> but I was grateful for it. Cause I was like, wow, like, thanks mom and dad for like patting me on the back and telling me to keep writing songs like that's cool so yeah anyway yeah that's the best example of that i can give you from my recent life yeah (laughs) that's good um i was always curious about we talked a little bit about this going to you went to ucf Mm -hmm. so i don't remember exactly when you decided to you know really dig into music right um, and try to do this full time, mm-hmm. not try and do this full time. I right. should say, I apologize. Yeah. Oh, you're fine. But when you were coming out of high school, what was your plan and what actually happened? Like was, yeah. was college always on the docket? Yes. Um, my parents were very adamant about me and my brother, both getting our degrees. Um, they they're really smart people. Mm-hmm. They're really great business-minded people. They're and listening, aren't they? they yeah. Hey, yeah. mom. Hey, dad. Thank you. They're so smart and good-looking <laughs> and just so generous. No, they Honestly, 
all true. Yeah. For real. Like I'm I'm really lucky to have the parents that I have that have been as supportive of me doing music. But um that all being said, they they were also very practical and they were saying, Hey, like we know you love music and we think you have a good shot at making this into a career, but we just wanna be sure that you have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So um I went to UCF. I started off as an electrical engineer. Um I, my, my brother studied electrical engineering and I thought it was fascinating and I'm actually a complete geek. Um, I love science, always have, always will. I don't really watch TV. I just watch TED Talks like all the time. And actually a TED Talk was what kind of changed a, a, my trajectory just a little bit. So I came in to UCF knowing that I wanted to do STEM because I didn't want to study music because if it was going to be plan B, I didn't want it to like, I wanted it to be something that I also loved, but that was different, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and also just being a woman in STEM, there's kind of this weird, like job security that comes with, with the being like, I don't want to use the word minority, but there's less women in STEM. So everybody wants to hire the woman (laughs) and, at it's least, a safe bet. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. So I was like, okay, there's like a. I mean, you probably still need the skills, but right. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so, but um. So you know, I was thinking from a practical sense, like I would probably have a high rate of being able to be employed with a degree in STEM. So started off in electrical engineering, but then I watched a TED talk about um biomedical mm-hmm. engineering and stuff like that and uh, specifically they were talking about how they took the extracellular matrix which is basically like a net that all of your cells rest inside it's what gives your cells uh, a structure and they took the extracellular matrix from plants removed the cells and then made a gel out of it and what it does is if you have an open wound you can put it over and it makes the blood coagulate almost immediately because it gives the blood cells a framework to rest inside of so they were saying this could be used for gunshot wounds it could be used for like really deep cuts um and they were hoping that it might even one day be able to replace like stitches and stuff where people will have less scarring because it's actually skin that's forming to heal the wound instead of like pushing the skin back together um anyway fascinating stuff to me and i was like i want to make that i want to like yeah, I like I think electrical engineering is cool, but that's because I wanted to build things. And I was like, imagine building things, but also being able to build with biology. That's so cool. Well, and it's goo. Yeah. And goo is always goo fun. Goo is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I mean, um, it's in the name. Yeah. It's practically the word cool. Right. <laughs> but um, so I switched to um, biotechnology and I studied that for like, I was in STEM for probably like two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of just had a come to Jesus moment. I was playing um, a corporate event and I was out in the lobby just doing some fill in music. And there was a keynote speaker at the event, um, which you might know. Her name's Lisa Maley. She does a lot of like acting and modeling stuff in town. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also does like professional development speaking and stuff. Shout out to Lisa Maley. What up? Um, Big listener. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so she's talking to me afterward and she's like, hey, I really enjoyed you playing today. And I was like, thanks. And she's like, so what are you studying? And I was like, biotechnology. And I'm, you know, stoked about it. And she's like, why? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean why? I want to be a scientist. Like, what do you mean why? And she's like, well, you're just such a people person, like, and you're doing the music thing. Like, why aren't you doing something more like arts based? And it was so funny because growing up, like that was always the reaction I got whenever I told people I wanted to go into science. They're like, why? And I was like, well, I, I love it. But after Lisa said that to me and she was like, I know some people over at UCF that are in like the broadcasting department, you should check out broadcasting and advertising and stuff. And I was thinking about it. And upon some serious reflection, I was thinking, okay, in five, 10 years time, do I see myself, do I want to be in a lab working on some stuff or do I want to be on stage? And I was like, I think we all know the answer to this question, you know, like as much as I love science and I am really passionate about it, 
I love music. Like that is the reason I get up every day, you know, just to make stuff. And, um, so I kind of just switched to advertising without really thinking about it. And next thing I knew I got my degree, it was literally like, I didn't even think it was almost like the universe was just like, Hey, this is what you should do. And I just didn't really question it. Um, but that ended up being such an awesome decision for me. And I had a lot of guidance along the way as well, but I ended up getting my minor in digital media. So I know how to use like Photoshop and all these different things where I've saved a lot of money and stress for myself by making my own merch designs. I coded my own website. I, um, I run all the social media and I know how to market on social media cause I studied advertising and like how to create a brand image and all of that stuff. And it's all the stuff I think that you, okay like nowadays to make it as an artist you can't just be an artist you have to be a business owner and you have to have some kind of like business savvy and I think before I went in and studied some of this stuff and at least just got a baseline knowledge of how to market and and create an image for a person not just a brand but like a person um I don't know if I would have been able to accomplish as much as I have so far because I feel like um I was, I was pretty clueless (laughs) before, but I think that really helped. And, um, yeah, I just, I, you can't just do the music thing anymore. I don't think the landscape of the industry has changed too much and you really have to be a self-sufficient business owner. That's how anyone's making it. Like I, I love playing music and I hope people think I'm good at it, but I can tell you for sure, I will outwork you any day of the week. And that's what it takes to get where you want to go. You can't sum it up any better than she did there. CatRidgeway.com, C-A-T-R-I-D-G-E-Way.com, if you'd like to learn more about her. Speaking of outworking, her new album, Nice to Meet You, is coming out in the next couple of months. Expect some music videos coming out alongside the record, one of which was shot and edited by Cat. Touring is obviously a challenge right now, but she and Sean Mullins are looking at some dates, including a drive-in up in New Hampshire, uh, COVID permitting, of course. So maybe road trip, anybody? She mentioned her brother Mitch in that excerpt. They are currently building a new studio together. And last but not least, and I'm sure she's doing 27 other things, Kat's next big live stream is August 22nd on Wakaiva Island's Facebook page. It will also be accessible from her band page, Cat Ridgeway and the Tourists, on Facebook as well. You're listening to A Certain Degree. This is a best of episode of our summer programming series. There is no best of without Allison Steedle. I met Allison when she was a co-host of the very excellent Offcuts podcast. We could have just stayed podcast pals. And of course, podcast pals are people who just talk to each other when there's microphones in front of both of them. That's how podcast pals operate. But Allison is an amazing person, and I consider her a very close and insightful friend. Now, I met her on the Offcuts podcast, but she didn't start out with the intention of being on the microphone. So let's go back one more step in terms of your Mm. background. Okay. So not broadcast. Right. Not uh necessarily uh event related stuff or marketing or anything mm-hmm. like that communications right what did you do uh well my degree my bachelor's degree is in english literature which is probably why i recalled capulet <laughs> earlier <laughs> that could be it um yeah i uh started college under a biology major mm-hmm. for some weird reason because i thought that's what i should do um, and then I walked into seeing college algebra for the first time in, you know, I hadn't taken algebra since ninth grade, I think. And I walked in and out of that classroom and changed my major to English because English is what I love. And uh, very little math. Very little. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Um, but yeah, I walked into uh, college algebra and I had no idea what was going on. So, uh, being coming from I'm coming from a background where I not a lot of pressure was on me to do well in school in Excel. I just kind of had a lot of self motivation. I was in a program in high school. I think they there's still IB programs mm-hmm. around International sure. Baccalaureate um, uh, advanced placement. So I was around a culture of you know achieving, 
and um, school came pretty easily yeah. to me. It was challenging for sure, but um, once I got to college, once I had something more challenging, I kind of switched gears, um, which later I ended up taking college algebra much later for a physical therapy degree, and I did really well in it. So I think it was kind of a mindset uh, thing. But um, that seems to be the case yeah. with math. So going back just a second, mm-hmm. coming out of high school, did you go directly to college? Yes. And was that always the intention and the plan? For me, yeah. I, I was very much about doing things the way you you understand that you should do. Mm-hmm. So these are rites of passages. You have to go, I want to live in a dorm room. I want to you know do all the college things. I didn't end up living in a dorm room, thankfully. Um, but uh, <laughs> I lived in an apartment. Sorry, dorm rooms, if you're listening. Yeah, squishy walls and such. Um, I'm sure it was a good experience, but um, my cousin had already... Um, was already attending Florida State when I got there. So I lived with her and she's my best friend for that. Um, I was in marching band at Florida mm. State and um, that was kind of my my tribe. And yeah, I just went right into college. I had a lot of credits coming out of high school. So I finished my bachelor's and I attended three years of college and earned a bachelor's and then uh, moved back home after that. And back home was Orlando? Orlando, yeah. And what happened that you kind of decided physical therapy was the way to go? Yeah, so um, I graduated college in 07. So 2008, I luckily I got a job in 07. I got a part-time job at Seminole State. And um, so I was working there, trying to work into a full-time job um, so I can move out of my parents' house. And, you know, I was uh, really struggling with that because that was the housing market crashed. There were no jobs Um, So I was just kind of lucky to have a part-time job. And um, I was also in the same time getting into running and triathlons, injured myself, was receiving physical therapy for my knee Mm -hmm. and um, realized that part of the program at Seminole State, there's a physical therapist assistant program where um, a lot of, it's not something students usually get, it's usually a second career for students to get into because not a lot of people know about it to become a doctor of physical therapy is, you know, $120,000 for schooling. You're, uh, and then, you know, your pay for that is not nearly that much. You don't get paid to be a physical therapist, um, nearly that much. So this was kind of a, an associate of science degree. It was a two year program. Um, it's, I mean, it, as far as Florida goes, Seminole State is the top of the line as far as physical therapist assistant programs. And so, um, yeah, I went from advising students to becoming a student. Um, and so I did that for two years. And you were still working there at the time? Um, no, it's a full-time program. Oh, okay. So I had to quit my job, but I did like work study. Mm-hmm. I was a work study student and a student ambassador and things that would help like as a scholarship um, with skills I already had from working there. Then I... Um, Graduated and worked at uh, a major hospital in Orlando for four years. Oh, wow. Um, as a PTA. And the if you're familiar with the hospital, I mean, was, this is like ICU, both nurses and other healthcare persons, um, the burnout rate is about four to five years. So at that point, you're kind of like, okay, what else? So looking at other, there's a lot of different settings for physical therapy. You can work in an outpatient setting, home health, and that sort of thing. So I was looking at that. And then Seminole State, a job opened to do advising for healthcare programs. So I could go back and advise students who are going into this program that I went through, had 11 interns in, and and I can go back and do that. So that's what I did. Um, And then I did that for a couple years before I had my daughter. So let me ask you one of the things we talked about off air. You've done both of these things, but, you know, have experiences in life that help you find your voice, that help you um, have some perspective, right? And so one of the things you and I were talking about Mm -hmm. was doing a podcast. Right. Like that does help you find your voice. It does help you figure out how to communicate, especially if you go back and listen to it, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're listening to yourself and no one's going to be a harsher critic Yes. Then, well, your 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 mom, your therapist, <laughs> and you. Right. Hopefully, yeah. That's a terrible uh, <laughs> comedy sitcom right there. My mom, my therapist, and, and me. <laughs> Obviously, they're all living in the same apartment, oh, which would be great. awful. Uh, but yeah. So, but one of the other things you mentioned was working in a hospital. Right. What did that 
perspective give you? And uh, yeah, you know, I would suggest, I mean, no matter what you're doing, if you're not in a healthcare field, I would recommend working in a hospital, volunteering in a hospital, a, a major hospital at that where you're seeing trauma, you're seeing a lot of hard things. Um, that experience for four years. Um, you're not saying do that for four years. Don't do it for four years. Do it for <laughs> a year, maybe six months or something. Get get experience um, because going from working in a hospital to doing literally anything else is not that bad. <laughs> And I know other industries could be, you know, like EMT, sure. firefight, anyone could say yeah. something. Like, and even I was not, you know, really, I was in the stuff, but, you know, maybe not as much as nurses or some of the doctors there. But, um, yeah, it's it's an incredible experience. Um, you can really learn. I mean, you learn to deal with people when they're at their absolute worst um, and you know, very difficult people working under a stressful situation, thinking quickly, improvising. That might be part of, you know, why I took to podcasting too, is because as an introvert, every patient I saw, I had to be on and I had to be this outgoing person, which is exhausting Mm -hmm. for someone like me. Um, But yeah, just doing just that experience. And then the radio show and podcasting too, um, being able to carry on a conversation with, you know, my hairdresser and, you know, anyone you meet, you can start a conversation with people. And, you know, one of the biggest things I learned from Elliot, my uh, host of Offcuts, is the yes and part of improv. And to, I mean, he just yes ands life. So whatever you ask him, he's like, yes. Um, but as far as in a conversation, you know, if you, uh, you're asked a question or a suggestion or something, you can either say, uh huh, or you know, no, or but or you can just carry that on yeah. and carry out a crazy scenario that's super playful, super fun. It's improved, uh, re- you know, my relationships and talking to you know family members and um, friends, and it's it's an awesome skill. So I think a part of that comes from the hospital too, is just having to be on the spot and and go. You uh, mentioned triathlon. I didn't know that was something that you did. Yeah. Um, but then you mentioned a knee injury. So I'm going to, mm. is it MCL, ACL, LCL, um, JCL, <laughs> QCL? Like which one was it? It, it is, it was the, uh, I don't remember what it All was. Of patello, the it was called patellofemoral pain. Oh. Um, and that is basically that floating bone, your patella yeah. that's on the anterior of your knee. Um, is not aligned properly. So it's rubbing on the other parts of the bone. Um, and that comes from a hip and a knee alignment. It comes from, an, it goes all the way down um, to your ankle. So it's, you know, wearing proper So your whole footwear. leg was, was messed rebelling up. against you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, if you're running, if you are getting into running, I think a lot of people just go out and run, whereas you really need to be strong and strengthen all of your muscles so you can, your body can handle running, um, get good footwear. So yeah, I basically, the, my physical therapy was to strengthen the rest of my body, even my core, my arms, because they're all, it's a whole body sure. involvement with that. So, so you're running again now? Yeah. Okay. I'm doing it now. Yeah. Again, <laughs> not being chased. That's right. Yes. Right, right. I'll, I run with a stroller mostly now. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll do try. Well, I don't know if I do a triathlon, but I had, yeah, a couple of marathons under my belt, but oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Every marathoner has to mention they've done a marathon or two. So. I think you have to, so it's, that's, you're legally obligated my, by doing it. This is that. I, well, don't, I mean, you brought your medals with you, so I appreciate that. They're I don't always lead with that. Clanging but, yeah. together, but you're, you're literally, we're holding them in front of you in yes. my face. Yeah. Most of the episode. So <laughs> we've finally gotten to the point where you've mentioned them. Can you put them away now? Yeah. Okay. Let me get the, uh, the gold box out. That would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> put them in there. I almost always talk to guests about their post high school experiences. It's actually where the name of the show to a certain degree originates. Allison's journey isn't over yet. And that's another thing I admire about her, that dedication to learning from English literature at FSU to physical therapy at Seminole State, she's now enrolled in the Master of Public Health program at the University of Florida. I'm looking forward to learning vicariously through her. Speaking of learning vicariously, it was the second appearance of Bethany Renee Williams on the program. She is remarkable and driven. 
I can't emphasize Driven enough. Listening to this episode again, I was inspired to take on 40 new projects. Part of that drive, she will admit, is coffee-inspired. In fact, the name of Bethany's marketing agency is Coffee Fueled. But also, if you don't care about coffee, you should follow me too, just because. That's a good point. Yeah. Anybody who has had coffee before or who has not had coffee before (laughs) should follow Bethany. If you own a phone, whether you have an Instagram page or Facebook, whatever it is, build an account and follow me. Well, the way you say that, it just sounds like, oh, it's so arduous. I have to build an account. (laughs) I guess that's just the way I talk because when I talk to clients, I present it in that way. I'm like, I'm going to build this for you. Yeah. As well, you should because yeah. it's going to take a lot of effort yeah. in order to get them where you need to go. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't guessed, uh, Bethany does marketing for all sorts of brands and companies, mm-hmm. but usually concentrate on, I always found this interesting, was like, you know, having come from a marketing background where you take any client mm-hmm. that comes along, even if you are uh, not necessarily into them, You're not necessarily in agreement with their ethics or with what they're doing, Uh, you know, with something that, you know, I remember at one point, not there's anything wrong with gambling boats and uh, nutrition bars, but those were the clients that I was either pitching or actively working on. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So it's, you know, well, hearing from you, like being able to pick and choose your clients Mm -hmm. and say, does this work with what I want to do? Does this make sense for me? That's really refreshing to hear that. Yeah. And I mean, it's nice nowadays to be able to be picky. Mm -hmm. Whenever I worked, you know, in like a corporate job, it was more of, hey, we need you to do this for our company. And like, we've sold all of this to these different brands. We really don't care if you like it. This is what you have to do. Yeah. This is, you know, a corporate job. You do what we tell you to do. But now, you know, being my own boss, I can decide if I want to work with someone. And I mean, if I have a client who, and I mean, I'm a 24-year-old girl working in marketing. I get a lot of really bad remarks sometimes from from like some like older dudes. Like they say things that are pretty pretty rude. And I'm at the liberty to choose to not deal with that. Mm-hmm. So whenever I have people say something to me that I deem inappropriate or not okay, I just don't work with them. Um, I usually give them a chance and I'm like, hey, you're not professional. But if they don't correct it, that's whenever I'm like, okay, um, this isn't going to work out. You need to uh, find someone else to do this for you. So I am at the liberty to pick and choose, which is really nice. So 2019 is is being good to me. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, yeah. 2019. Yeah. Big listener. Yeah, 2019 is the best. <laughs> I'm hoping 2020 is also a big listener. New decade. Oh, I didn't think of that. It's a new decade. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm really going to have to actively try harder. vision. I'm just shaking my head. That doesn't really translate to radio all that well. Well, let me ask you about this. So you are the brand for Coffee Fuel. Mm -hmm. You are the main person there. You, you know, I'm sure you bring in other people as necessary, but for the most part, it's a one person shop. Mm -hmm. And so at some point you can only reach so many clients. You can only do so many things. So your choices, I think, for a lot of marketing agencies are to expand, hire more people, do that sort of thing, um, or branch out and do more public speaking, maybe write a book, uh, podcasting, that sort of thing. What Do you have plans? Like, is there something you're you're interested in? Is there something that you would like to be able to bring to other organizations without necessarily having them as a client? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of things in the pipeline. I have some goals set. So um, one of those things is a book that'll, you know, it'll launch eventually. I'm going to announce it on my social media when it does. I had planned for it to be the end of this year, but it's going to be a book uh, targeted towards small businesses. Um, It's going to be kind of like a fill in the blank, building your own brand strategy, figuring out what you need to really launch a small business Um, So do it yourself. Um, You know, if you can't afford to hire a marketing person, let's say you are starting a brand new, I don't know, like candle pouring business or something, and you just don't have the money for a a marketing person, the book could be a good option. Mm -hmm. Also uh, want to build an app soon. So that's in the pipeline of goals. Uh, Whenever that happens, I'll also put that on social media. But um, I'd say books probably going to happen first and then social media. 
uh, but the the social media um, or the app um, will correlate with the book. And yeah, I mean, that's like the biggest things I have <clears throat> coming down the line, I guess. Why is that important to you? Like, you know, there's, it doesn't feel like it's just because you need the money. No. <laughs> it's not because you want to be famous. Um, you can do all of those things without doing, you know, necessarily a book, mm -hmm. which in, in many ways, you know, now you bundle an app with it and it seems a little more modern, but mm -hmm. in some ways a book seems almost antiquated. It's very old school. Yeah, but it, it seems like there's more to it than just make a couple of bucks or mm -hmm. make yourself famous. Um, I mean, the main thing is I love books. Mm -hmm. uh, when you go into my apartment, there are stacks and stacks of books. <clears throat> and the big thing I love about them is just that hands-on feel. You know, I love the more aesthetic typography designed books. So I have a lot of those in my apartment. So I think that that's where it stems from is that I, just, I love books. I always have. So I want to, you know, contribute to that area. And then I guess branching out my business in a way that I haven't before. Mm -hmm. So I'm continually trying to grow. And this is an area I haven't tackled in the past. So it's something new and exciting. Is it also... Does it get you out of your comfort zone too? Is that like a personal challenge for yourself? Yeah, I feel like it's important to continually grow. Um, so like year over year, look back and see if I'm in a new place. And I mean, I could just stay stagnant. I could just keep managing the clients I have and just, you know, coast and, and live life. But that's not fun. I would definitely get bored. So I have to continually be, you know, doing new things. Um, I mean, I am, if you're into all this stuff, I'm a, Gem I'm a Gemini I'm an ENTJ. I am a type three on the Enneagram. Um, I think, is that all of them? I'm a Slytherin. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> um, if that If that gives you any idea of who I am. So I'm like a very work-oriented, growth-oriented. Ambitious. You know, ambitious. I need constant stimulation. Like I need to be thinking about something, doing something, multitasking constantly. Like that's just my personality. So I think I would get very bored if I were just managing my clients. Um, so I think that's why I was like, I'm also going to write a book. And then on top of that, I'm also going to build an app. How do you keep up with everything, right? So we talk a lot about lifelong learning and that used to be, you would you would go and get your MBA, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, somewhere at some point, whether that's online or in person or some combination of that. So you could continue learning more about it, but you can't get an MBA in social media. You can't get an MBA in Instagram. You can. can you? You can. There is one? There's definitely MBAs out there for that. Uh, I'm surprised by yeah, that, but yeah. okay. But I, again, I guess taking it a step back is there's this, the MBA, by the time you're taking it yeah. is probably... The cost is high. Things, the cost is like high that, yeah. and it probably isn't up on what the latest trends are and yeah. things of that nature. I mean, unless you're going to Harvard or something. Right. But, and even then, yeah. it might not be. Yeah. But, things um, change pretty consistently. How do you balance that out? Or do you have interest in doing an MBA eventually? Um, I don't. I keep getting ads for them. Yeah. <laughs> My Instagram is, I feel like as soon as you hit like 24, 25, your Instagram and Facebook just get flooded with MBA ads. And they're Makes like, do a, do a study in this course at our college. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't want to. Um, I do believe in continually learning, though. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't plan to re-enroll currently. I mean, if I did go back to school for anything, it would probably be something off the wall, like law, like marketing law or something. Um, something I could grow and do something new. Um, but I'm pretty happy with my career. Um, but I do think it's important to grow and continually be learning because social media and digital marketing are changing every day, um, as well as UI UX, which is like the design and functionality of apps. So all of the things I work with are changing every day. So UI is user interface, mm -hmm. UX is user experience. Yep, exactly. For, for the eight people out there that didn't realize that yeah. at this point. Yeah, UI UX. <laughs> um, so I think it's important to continually be learning with the, the changes in those fields. And I do that through online courses. Um, YouTube is a really big one that's free. So if you want to learn anything, usually you can go to YouTube. Um, podcasts. So I listen to podcasts about marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think books are another one that I, I turn to. Um, they come out every year. People usually update them yearly. Uh, they're pretty great. 
So I think I'd say that's the big one, the big like four things. Um, if you really want to get like deep dive into something, you can always buy college textbooks. It's not like they're only for college students. That's true. So if you really want to learn about a subject, you can self-teach. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple um, that I that I own. I find it's better for me being a visual person to have like a class I can watch, like a, a course. Mm-hmm. So um, Udemy is a good one. Not a plug. <laughs> no, Udemy, if you're listening, you can always sponsor the station. Yeah, but it is a good site that I like to use. So if there's something that I have never learned about and I'm curious about it, so let's say I, I have no desire to learn coding. Honestly, I just, it's not my thing, but um, I know a little bit of HTML and CSS to function, but that's about it. Um, but let's say I wanted to learn how to write code for apps. Mm-hmm. There's probably a course on Udemy that teaches me how to do that. It has uh, homework. It has like all the stuff you need. And I think the courses start at like 15 bucks. Some of them are more expensive, like three, 400 bucks. But I mean, compared to like 40,000 intuition yeah. or something, I mean, it is pretty nice because you can constantly learn and they're updated every year. And you're self-motivated enough that you can do that. Yeah. I mean, I I like, I, I mean, I'm the kind of person who, if I have the choice to turn on a TV show on Hulu or listen to TED Talks, I'm going to listen to TED Talks. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So type three. Nice. <laughs> then eventually, do you ever want to get into public speaking? I mean, speaking of TED Talks. Yeah. I mean, I've done a couple of um, speaking events, actually. I mm-hmm. did one in Tampa recently. Um, I spoke about social media. And I have a video of it that I plan to put up later. I wanted to kind of coincide it with my book. Um, But I just talked about like different ways that the publishing industry can kind of like move forward in its social media trends. Um, But I do a little bit of public speaking. I would definitely love to do a TED Talks um, someday, whenever they will have me. if you're listening. TEDx, Orlando. Okay. Let's just put it on. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do uh, Beth X. Yeah. Yeah. And you can be the main speaker. Bet. BET. Yeah. So it's uh, BET might be taken. No, it's fine. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> we, we put an X at the end, FedEx. Great, great. Yep. It kind of sounds like FedEx, though. Uh, you are the branding expert, so I will leave it to you to come up with a name. Or but we, as long as we, I get to speak to We can just reach too. out to Ted. Yeah, that's probably easier. Yeah. Uh, Ted's they, have a big a better, they have a better brand, so mm. we don't have to build something from the ground up. Mm. So, yeah, I love public speaking. Um, okay. I'd love to do something like that. <laughs> It'd be great. Very good. Well, let's leave it at that for now. Thank you. And uh, if anybody wants to learn more about you, Coffee Fueled on, just basically search Coffee Fueled. Yeah. If you go on Google anyway. and type in Coffee Fueled, one word, don't put a space. Never put a space. Don't put a space. Never it's put a space. It's 2019. We simplify things. We don't put spaces. And you could, you could throw Bethany on there, too. Coffee Fueled Bethany. There you go. So a book, an app, and Bethany is launching a marketing course for small businesses, creators, and entrepreneurs to learn how to do their own marketing. That launches this fall, and details can be found on Instagram at Coffee Fueled. You may also want to visit toacertaindegree.com to find the full versions of all these interviews, including the one with Bethany, actually two of them with Bethany. You can also subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Just search To a Certain Degree. Just search for a podcast called To a Certain Degree. I really need to change the name of this. Are you sensing a theme for this show? Let's end with Robin Hoffman, who is in high gear at all times. Funny, whip smart, and incredibly empathic, Robin decided to find new ways to do what she's done her entire life, help people. Good morning, Nick. Thanks for having me. You do. You're welcome. You do so much. Sorry, I. my therapist told me she listened to like the first few episodes that I ever did, and she's like, you need to be an active listener. <gasps> okay, I, I like, like your therapist. Yeah. I, I took it with every grain of salt. I said, you know what? I totally actively listen. And then I listened to some of my episodes and I was like, I do not. Did you say I listen to a certain degree? Uh, that is kind of where I started saying that. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to a certain degree. <laughs> uh, talk show host. Is that accurate? Like when people ask yes. you what you do, what I, do you I go say? like this. <laughs> yeah. I literally just laugh. Well, because... the best response I've ever heard is uh, somebody saying about what? 
Like when somebody says what you do. Nice. Yeah. So, but yeah, so you wear a number of hats. I'm glad you brought all of them here today. I did. That was a lot of hats. Yeah, sorry. I know I'm kind of taking up the whole room here. Yep. Uh, Haberdashery, I think (laughs) is what we would call it. But um, I know I'm a red talk show host and former certified behavior analyst. Yeah. Is that accurate? It is very accurate. Wow, I'm very impressed, Nick. So, I well, I mean, we can also talk mother of five. We could talk about yes. uh, somebody who has celiac disease and is um, an advocate for it. Um, not for it, but for right. the treatment of it, <laughs> treatment. that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, so there's so much that you do. There is so much that I do, but you're doing great oh, explaining it all. So okay, you well, just, then I don't even know why you're here. I, I'm not even sure. So I wanted to talk about a little bit about the transition, sort of go chronologically from, you know, your work in the social world, Mm -hmm. uh, certified behavior analyst to Bake With Me, because I think that was your first show. That was. You're very good. not only show, but that was the first way that you were expressing how to help people that might have different dietary conditions. Absolutely. Is no, that that's right? great. Yes. So I worked with individuals with disabilities for 27 years. It was awesome and amazing. Uh, most people last about five years in the field, mm-hmm. but you know, I like to do everything a little uh, further and pushed it out and, and I just sort of grew with it. So I started um, with severe behaviors and I, like you said, I was a certified behavior analyst and then as I got older and if I felt like I couldn't physically do what I needed to do anymore, I transitioned to a higher level. So I went into middle school and high school and then eventually I, I started working with people with disabilities at the college level. So there was less hands-on and it was more of just being supportive and giving them accommodations that they needed to be able to get through college. So I kind of grew with it as well mm-hmm. because you can only do certain things <laughs> for so long. and. Um, but I loved it. I've always loved working with individuals with disabilities and autism was my specialty for a really long time. And I've, I've been in the autism world doing amazing things for a really long time. So I loved that as well. So when I was diagnosed with celiac disease 13 years ago, there was not a lot, there were not a lot of options out there as far as good foods. So if you wanted anything like a baked good, it either tasted like cardboard or mm-hmm. like Play-Doh. Like literally, that's all your options. And I didn't really like those options very much. And um, you weren't just eating cardboard and Play-Doh. I was not. It was the gluten-free options that were out there. Got it. Just wanted <laughs> to confirm quite that. frankly, like I could have eaten Play-Doh. It would have been cheaper and tasted, tasted just exactly the same. the same. So I loved to bake at the time. And I had to give that up, obviously, because I didn't know how to bake gluten-free. So I did a lot of research and a lot of trial and error and spent a lot of money trying to figure things out. And after I perfected it, which really took years, I thought, how can I offer this information to people so that they don't have to go through what I went through by spending all that money and wasting all that time and tasting just horrifying like desserts. Mm -hmm. So that's where the idea for the show came from, was just wanting to do that. And then I couldn't put aside disabilities because I'd been involved with people with disabilities for so long. And over all of that time, what I realized were it really, the issues weren't with the people who had the disabilities. The issue was with the people around them not understanding them or not giving them enough credit or not believing in their capabilities. So I thought, how can I combine the two? How can I let people know these delicious gluten-free recipes and introduce them to individuals with disabilities. I'm like, ooh, I can have them as guests. So it was sort of just this whole thing that I thought just didn't make sense on paper at all. But then when we started doing the shows, it was just such a beautiful combination and everyone was affected by it. Even, so like you said, we film at Full Sail University and the students get involved. The film students come on set and they run the cameras and they do the audio and um, it's absolutely amazing because it affects them as well too so every single time I shoot they come up to me afterwards at every single time there's not one time where I've done this where students haven't approached me and said I want to know every time you're filming I want to be back this is amazing what you're doing is amazing and then my guests it affects their lives as well so here they have this disability that either 
has given them some sort of shame or some sort of whatever in their past and they come out and they live it proudly and they talk about it openly and they own it and they can talk about not just their challenges but their successes as well Mm -hmm. and it changes them for the better and then there are people who are watching who say the best thing that ever happened to me after we started filming was a mom emailed me and said my daughter because my very first episode I'm sorry I'm jumping around my very first episode was with my daughter who has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is something not a lot of people have heard of. So one, we're spreading this awareness. They're seeing how capable she is because she's standing here talking to me and baking. And then a mom emailed me and said, my daughter and I watched your show together. We sat down on the couch. We watched it together. And during the episode, she she hit me and said, mom, this girl's just like me. And she had never met anyone that had had Ehlers-Danlos as well. So I was you know, in tears. And, and I'm like, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing to spread that awareness. So it's not just a gluten-free celiac right. related show that you do, right. or that's not the topic that you're spreading awareness about. It's uh, it's a variety. It's both. Yeah. Right. So I definitely want people with celiac to know that I am advocating for them as well mm-hmm. as while I'm introducing another disability each episode. And that experience of baking with someone, you know, you think about doing that with a family member or something like yes. that. It's such a uh, uh, intimate in terms of getting to know them, getting to know a little bit more about them. So being able to translate that for uh, video for is it live or is it recorded and then edited? It's recorded and edited, but we do it all in one take. Yeah, we don't I don't edit things out. I like things to be authentic with both of my shows. And, and you're right, it is a very intimate experience and you kind of forget that the cameras are there because while you're baking and talking, it's interesting when people's hands are busy or their minds are sort of, you know, going towards something else, they're more apt to be open and honest mm-hmm. because they're not always directly looking you in the eye. They're kind of looking at the bowls or mixing or doing whatever. And then they're opening up about their experiences and it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I want to plug Full Sail again for letting you, you're building your set out there. Yes. Was that where you were filming before? It's where I was filming before, okay. yes. So but you're building a set and they're producing it, they're recording it and stuff for you. Yes. Yeah. So that's very cool. I don't know if people know that about Full Sail as they do stuff like that where they can find real world experiences for their students that Absolutely. help people in the community. It's a great program. Yeah. So it's very cool. Um, going back to celiac, because we, we talk a little bit about gluten-free. I think it's, there's more awareness around gluten-free, vegan options, um, but people often confuse all of those. Right. Right. Sometimes if they don't understand uh, the type of thing that's going on with that. From a gluten-free perspective, my understanding, and maybe I'm wrong, okay. is that has to do with the flour. It's it's with wheat, rye, barley, and sometimes oats. Okay. So wheat, rye, so and barley have gluten flour, in them. Correct. It, it happens be, to be in flour if yeah. it's made with any of those ingredients. But um, and, the, and I say sometimes oats because oats fields can be oats can be grown in a field full mm. of wheat, and then that makes it contaminated. Oh, okay. So they have to be certified gluten-free oats. But wheat, rye, and barley are always always have gluten, and you cannot put those ingredients into your into your foods. So, and, and really most foods contain at least some sort of filler like that. And le- and they're starting to make those changes. So like if something says food starch, it used to always be that that type of starch came from a wheat, rye, or Base. barley source. Right. But now they're starting to shift that. So they're shifting it to a corn-based, potato-based, rice-based, things that are gluten-free. Okay. And what else could you use as, so rice, corn... Yep, rice, corn, potato, um, tapioca. Okay. People are using almond flour now. That's a very big thing for paleo and for vegan and for other um, dietary issues as well. Needs. Or needs, not issues. Uh, Well, yes, needs. I'm always, uh, you know, I want to make sure I'm using the right uh, words. Right. Right, because that's important in terms of, because for uh, vegans, it's not necessarily uh, an issue. Like, yes, they, it could be. It's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. It could be, but yeah. And it's not necessarily tied to any religion necessarily either. So that's something that uh, would be probably different nomenclature. 
Right, but if you have celiac disease, it is absolutely not a choice if right. you want to survive. You need yeah. to. Yeah, so <laughs> you're going good. out and having to be very careful when eating out, when yes. doing things out in the world. I normally don't, to be honest with you. I don't eat out unless the restaurant is 100% certified gluten-free, meaning there's no chance of cross-contamination. Like you and I went to Starbucks this morning, and that for me was even a challenge because I don't usually take partake from any you know place that has even gluten in their in their restaurant but having tea is fine (laughs) okay good to know so i'm gonna just buy you tea from now on there you go (laughs) not sure if it needs to be caffeinated tea or not i don't think she really needs it you would think robin would have some downtime since she's holding off production of both shows due to covid but since she can't sit still she's written a comedic short film a full cast and crew for the film has been assembled and production has started. Follow Robin Hoffman, H-O-F-M-A-N-N, on social media, especially Facebook, for updates on that. That's it for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. To a certain degree.com is the site you can go to if you missed any of this episode. It'll be available as a podcast. And you can also go there and listen to the original interviews. You can go and listen to stories from people around Orlando. I think I've interviewed about 200 people there. Go and subscribe to the podcast if you like, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to my guests, Robin Hoffman, Bethany Renee Williams, Allison Steedle, and Kat Ridgeway. I am Nick Jorgudiu, and as a special treat, here's a song from Kat, Whiskey Lullabies. This is the original version of the song. It's getting remixed and remastered for her new album. You are listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. Oh, 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 oh,